Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series we've calling Even Though. We're taking a look at several different places in Scripture, just where the Bible uses the words even though and seeing what we can learn about them. Have, has this helped y'all? Y'all enjoyed the last few weeks? I've, I've, really, enjoyed, um, I've really enjoyed teaching it. Um, I, I, as you can tell, I love, uh, I love pastoring. I also love preaching, um, so I've really enjoyed teaching this. I want to wrap that up as we head into... Easter, Easter is next Sunday. And let me just tell you, make plans to come to Easter. Make plans to invite somebody to Easter. It's a huge time that an unchurched friend is going to come to church. So just do it. Bribe them, offer them lunch, kidnap them, whatever you got to do. We do not condone the kidnapping, but whatever you got to do, get them here next Sunday. It's going to be an incredible, incredible day, so make sure you're here. Um, but today I want to wrap up uh, this, this series let me start off like this. A hungry tiger once caught a fox and was about to make a meal out of him. When the fox spoke up, do not eat me, good tiger, for I am the most feared creature in the jungle. The tiger didn't believe it. So the fox said that in order to prove it, he would walk through the jungle in front of the tiger and all of the animals would flee from him. Sure enough, as the fox strode down the jungle path, Animals fled in terror. Obviously, they were fleeing from the presence of the tiger and not the fox. You know, so often I'm afraid that I walk as a fox all alone. I mean, think about some of the things that you and I worry about. Things like, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay the bills? What do they think of, of me how am I going to find a solution? How am I going to get out of this? So much of the things that we worry about are, are we-focused. They put so much pressure on ourselves that I have to be enough, that I have to live up to what people expect, that I have to be able to be smart enough to figure out a solution, that I have to be able to provide for my family. And it all comes down to me. What if we could live life with the assurance of the fox walking behind the tiger. To know that when we walk through this world, we do not walk through the things that we worry about and struggle about alone, but there is something more powerful and better that walks ahead of us and paves the way for us to walk through. What if, instead of walking like the lonely fox, what if we were walking through life behind the tiger and trusting that something stronger walks ahead of me? What if we could honestly live life and say, I've done my best, I trust God, so what with the rest? I want us to try to grasp that mentality this morning. I want to talk from the subject of so what? So what? Look at the person beside you and say, so what? No, you got to say it like I said it. Say, so what? If I had a subtitle, as I've said the last few weeks, if I had a subtitle this morning, it would be when life is hard. When life 
is hard. And I don't, I don't know about you, but the last few weeks, um, I've just been kind of heavy. I don't know if it's just what's going on in our world and all of the unrest and the things that we can't seem to be sure about. Um, this, the people that I have talked to over the last couple of weeks, that, like you, who are dealing with really tough stuff, has really weighed heavy on me. And I would imagine that most of us this morning, you would have to say that, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in a hard place in life. Like, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm, I'm concerned. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Now, I, I do fully recognize that some of you are having a great life right now. Like, you are riding high. Some things have gone really well for you. And to that, the rest of us would say, no, I'm just kidding. But to that... To that, we're glad you're here. But how many of you know how many of you know that when life is good, it's going to change? And so I would, I would file this, this away uh, for later. So we're going to talk about, so what? I'm going to be in Acts 27. Acts 27 um, is, a, is a pretty uh, popular passage in the book of Acts. Acts is written by a guy named Luke, um, and it kind of traces the beginning of the church, which we are. That's why you're here. It kind of traces how the church got started. Um, This story, uh, Luke writes a really in-depth story about a guy named Paul, who, if you don't, if you're new to church, he's a missionary. God radically changed his life. He began to plant churches. But at this point in his story, he is a prisoner on a ship. And the ship is headed towards Italy. Now, Paul always wanted to preach the gospel in Rome because he thought that if he could get to Rome, the gospel could could spread quicker. But now he finds himself a prisoner on a ship that's headed towards Italy. And not just that, not just that he's a prisoner, but there's a storm brewing where he is. And that's where we'll pick up the story. Paul speaks up, and in verse 10 it says, Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Now this story is a factual story. It's a historical story. They really are on a ship headed through stormy waters. But don't we often use life as kind of a ship journey, as kind of a boat ride? Like, have you, ever, have you ever used words like, don't go overboard? People tell me that sometimes. I know. I like I have that personality. People will say, don't go overboard. Have you ever heard that? Or when you get done with something and it didn't go how you planned, you say, man, that was a shipwreck, right? And so we tend to kind of use the analogy of a ship's journey for the course, the course of life. Does, does your journey ever feel like Paul and these prisoners' journey is, is feeling? Like there's a storm ahead, and no matter where you turn, no matter where you look, you cannot get control of where you're headed. You can't see because of the wind. You can't see because of the waves, and it feels like the boat is about to go under. It feels like your life is about to go under. And have you ever wanted to be like Paul in these situations and say, time out, let's just don't go any further. Like, 
time out. I don't want to go any further in this stormy life because I don't know what's going to happen when I wake up tomorrow. Have you ever felt like that? Like it seems like every day I get more bad news. I find myself in more struggle. I find myself in more uh, difficulty. I find myself in more financial strain. And so if I could just stop adulting for a little while and call time out, throw out an anchor and stop this stormy journey, then everything would be okay. Paul's like, hey, let's, let's don't go any further. You know what I also tend to do in those situations? I tend to try to grab the steering wheel. And so I think if when, when, when life seems to be going chaotic on me and going haywire on me, I think if I can just grasp the steering wheel, I think I can manipulate enough situations, I can manipulate enough people, and I can steer my ship around this storm. And so I take control. And so I think it all depends on me. And even though I can't see what's ahead and I don't want to go there, I think if I am at the wheel, I can get through this. Paul says, hang on. We don't need to go any further, but they do. Just like life, the journey moves ahead, but it gets worse. Verse 18 says, the next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. So they don't listen to Paul. They continue on. The storm gets worse. Sounds a little bit like your life. And now they're so desperate that they begin to throw the cargo overboard. Don't we do the same thing when the storm's worse in our life? Don't we start throwing stuff overboard? Like, when I don't, when I don't know what else to do, when it feels like I can't get my head above water, that's when I begin to go against the principles I've tried to live my entire life by, isn't it? And sometimes things can get so bad that you begin throwing the very things overboard that were meant to sustain you. Have you ever had relationships in because you were in a storm and it wasn't their fault, but you had to blame somebody, so you throw the relationship overboard? Have you, ever, have you ever been in a situation where you thought that I can get out of this storm, I can get out of this tough spot if I'll just give a little bit on my morals and what I really think is right, and so you throw your morals overboard? It's in these situations where life is, is complicated and it's difficult and it seems like the waves are coming one after the other that we tend to throw the things overboard that we've always hung our life on because... We don't know what else to do because we're, we're desperate and because we need some relief and because we think we need the, the, stress, the stress to end. And so that friend of yours that you've had for 20 years can say one comment and you throw the relationship overboard and they didn't mean anything by it. It was the other stuff that was really affecting you, but you just had to relieve some stress and th so you throw the relationship overboard. You throw your faith it's in these times, those stormy times of life, that you begin to pull away from church. All of a sudden, it's not as big of a priority because you're literally thinking, here I am. It doesn't seem to be doing any good. So at least I can sleep late on Sunday morning. Or you walk away from your faith, you throw it overboard because you think God hasn't done anything for me lately. And the very things that were meant to sustain you through the storm are the things that you end up throwing off of your ship because things got difficult. 
it doesn't work, and it didn't, it, didn't work for, it didn't work for them. The storm continues to get worse, and then Luke writes in verse 21, he says, no one had eaten for a long time. Wonder why? Because the thing that they had was supposed to sustain them, they've already chunked overboard because of the stress. It says, finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left for Crete. Don't y'all love a good told you so every now and then? Just saying. You would have avoided all this damage in life. Have you ever told your kids that? Son, honey, I told you that would happen. Don't be coming to me. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted, me sa- has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. So put yourself, try to just imagine, put yourself on this ship. Put yourself in the position of one of the guards on this ship. Okay? You're supposed to be you're supposed to be in charge. You're the guard. You're supposed to be the tough one. You're supposed to have the answers. But all of a sudden this storm comes. It's more than you know what to do with. The captain doesn't know what to do. Don't nobody know what to do. There's chaos everywhere. Everybody's everybody's confused. You've tried desperately to do everything you knew to do, so you threw the cargo overboard. You are probably fearing for your life, and all of a sudden, this prisoner Paul stands up and says, y'all just trust God. Don't you want to throw him overboard? (laughs) Have y'all ever had someone quote a Bible verse at the worst time? And then they usually misquote it or take it out of context? You know what, you know, soapbox, you know one of the ones that I hate is when sometimes a really close friend of a Christian tries to correct something they've been doing. They say, don't judge me. Do y'all, do y'all even know how out of context that is? We're supposed to hold each other accountable. I'm not supposed to judge someone who doesn't know Jesus, but I'm supposed to hold them accountable. But I also got to check myself, right? That's where that comes from. I got to check myself, and then I can try to hold you accountable. But have you ever had somebody misquote a Bible verse at exactly the wrong time? You were struggling. You were grieving and somebody misquoted a Bible verse, they've got to be wanting Paul overboard himself. Just, 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 just trust God. But then I imagine there's something in these guards' minds that kind of flips, where they go from being disgusted at Paul to kind of admiring Paul. Aren't those people who can go through the storms of life and come out the other end still trusting God the ones you admire? Like, there's people in this church that I can look at right now, and I admire your faith because you have been through the storms of life. You have been under unexplainable grief. You have been in turmoil and struggle. You you know what it's like to beg God to save your child. You know what it's like to beg God for some relief for your finances. You know what it's like to beg God to heal somebody you love, and you have kept the faith the whole time. That's the people we really want to be like. But how how do you do it? How is Paul able to stand up in the midst of the chaos around him, in the midst of the storm, and say, hey, you guys, 
just trust God. Number one, he had a promise. He had a promise. Paul was visited by an angel, and the angel told him, everybody's going to be okay. You have to stand trial before Caesar. In other words, if you're going to get to Caesar, you've got to make it through this storm. When you know where you're headed, it makes it easier to get from where you are. When you know the promise that God has given you for the future, and you know your destiny, it makes it easier to get through the storm right now. Some of you in the room this morning watching online, some of you have incredible promises that God has given to you. Because you hear him, because you seek him, and he has given you some incredible personal promises. He's promised things about your kids. He's promised things about your future. He's promised things about how things are about to turn in your life. He's promised you a long time ago that you were going to get to a certain place. And even though it doesn't look like it right now, my encouragement to you would be hold on to the promise even in the midst of the storm. Hold on. God has not broken a promise yet, and he's not going to break it with you. It still counts. All of his promises are yes and amen. Hold on to the promise. And even... Even if, if you don't, if, even if you're not that close to God and, and it's a little weird for him to promise you something personally, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible that God makes towards humankind. Let me just read a few of them. I'm glad you asked. Psalm 119, 68, says God is good. Joshua 1, 9 says God is with you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God has a plan for you. Hebrews 10, 23 says, God is faithful. Isaiah 54, 10 says, God is compassionate and kind. Ephesians 2, 10 says, you have a purpose. Psalm 55, 22 says, he will sustain you. Romans 8, 38 says that God loves you no matter what. Nothing can separate you from the love of the almighty God. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God's power is with you. Psalm 119, 165 says he will give you peace. John 16, says you are an overcomer. It says in this world you will have trouble, but because of Jesus you have overcome the world. Psalm 119.65 says he will give you peace. Romans 8.31 says he is for you. James 1.5 says God will help you. And Matthew 11.28 says God will provide rest for you. Hold on to the promise even in the midst of the storm. He is a promise-making and he is a promise-keeping God. And every one of those promises stands for you too. They're not for everybody else. They're for you because he loves you that much. He is a promise-making. He is a promise-keeping God. We often overestimate our ability to get through storms. And we underestimate God's ability to get us through them. Do you know how good he is to you? Do you know how much he loves you? Like, I wish, I wish I could somehow explain how much the God of the universe loves you. And one of the reasons why I can't fully explain it is because I can't fully comprehend it for myself. But he loves you so much. It doesn't matter what you did this morning. It doesn't matter the shame of your past, the mistakes of your past. 
He loves you so, so much. And I have seen God do some amazing things to keep promises to his children. I have personally experienced almost three years of feeling like God wanted me to be a parent, but my wife couldn't get pregnant. And then one day the test comes back positive. I have experienced a little baby who was hooked up to so many machines we couldn't count him and for weeks was in the NICU. I have experienced that little boy make it through and turned eight years old Friday. I have seen the power of God. I have heard your stories and I have seen how God has loved people so much and kept his promises that what you prayed for for years for your kids to come back to Jesus after them going wayward. I have seen them come back and declare him as their Lord. I have heard your stories. I have seen people literally get healed on the spot after praying for years. I have seen people grieve with great peace because of the power of God. And so just let me tell you today that even though the storm rages around you, you still have a promise-making and a promise-keeping God in the boat with you. Hold on to the promise. You can pray for years and feel like he's doing squat and wake up one morning and in an instant he's changed everything for your good. Hold on. Hold on to the promise. Hold on to the promise. But here's the key you got to trust the process. And this is where many of us lose our faith. I can believe, because I can see a starry sky. I can see the trees. I can look at, watch a baby being born, and I know that there's something bigger than me out there. I can believe that God is powerful, but where I get shaky sometimes is trusting how he displays his power. In the midst of the storm, I begin to doubt his process for getting me out because it doesn't look like I wanted it it to look. Here's the thing. God promised you that he would get you to the other side, but he never guaranteed the route. And so when it feels like you've taken many wrong turns, And when it feels like there is no rest area, and it feels like there is no QT corn dogs along the way, just know he never guaranteed you the route, but he promised you to get you to the other side. And he keeps keeps his promises. Paul had a promise, and Paul made a decision. Paul emphatically says, God is good. Even at a time where the evidence didn't seem to suggest it. We're pretty flaky people these days. Y'all notice that? Like, we just change our minds, change our relationships, change everything, just on the spot. I have no idea why I'm doing this. This It's awkward. I'll quit. (laughs) Like, never before in history have people changed jobs more. Like, if your resume, you've been at your job more than two years, you're an A-plus candidate. Because nobody does that anymore. We can change our entire belief system based off of, fo- of a Facebook post shared from bobsblog.com. Y'all, y'all notice that? We can sh- change our entire political beliefs based off of one random thing that probably wasn't true in the first place. 
We can hear one person that we've known for years say one thing wrong and we cancel them out and poop, I'm done. We're so flaky these days. We, we, like to cha- we like to change our minds. But Paul and the people that really walk a, lo- a life of faith don't change their minds so easy. They make a decision and stick with it. In fact, long before Paul was in this boat, Paul made a, made a decision. He didn't just make a decision. He made a pre-decision. And this is, this is a secret weapon when it comes to walking, to, to living a life of faith in the midst of the storm. Because if you wait until the storm is raging to say, I'm going to trust God, you won't feel like trusting him. Faith isn't an in-the-moment decision or it isn't in-the-moment feeling. It is a beforehand decision. You have to pre-decide that I believe God regardless of the storm that comes. If you don't and you don't make up your mind, then the evidence will start to stack against it. Because you can't see what God's doing. You've got to pre-decide. You ever met somebody who, when they walked into a room, always had like an escape route planned in their mind? I had breakfast with a guy like this, and I'm not going to call his name, but several months ago, and and he was telling us as as we sat down that when he walks into a room, based off of some of partly his military background, partly, as he said, he's just that sick. But anyway, that... When he walks into a room, he already surveys the room and already has like an escape route planned and has already decided what he could use as a weapon if he has to. Aren't those the people you want to be eating breakfast with? Like you want them at your table, not another table, right? They've pre-decided what they're going to do when, if in case the chaos ensues. When we walk with God, we've got to pre-decide what I'm going to do before the chaos happens. Faith is a pre-decision. It's not an in-the-moment one. It's not a feeling. It's a decision because sometimes it doesn't feel good, but I still know God is good. Sometimes it doesn't feel like the promise is going to pay off, but I still have decided that I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to trust God. So what with the rest? Paul trusted Even when it didn't look good, he said, so have courage. Telling everybody in the boat, have courage. For I believe God. Did you notice in those verses that Paul didn't say, for I believe in God? Even, the Bible says, even the demons believe in God. Believing in God says, yeah, I I believe that there's a God. I can put some confidence in the fact that there is a God. But believing God, believing God doesn't mean I just believe He exists, but I believe He is good and He keeps His word. Paul says He is good. I believe God. So to make a very detailed story, a little shorter, because I know y'all ain't going to go home and read this, although you should because it's a great story. The people that could swim eventually jump into the water and swim to shore. And then verse 44 of Acts 27 says, The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship so that everyone escaped safely to shore. So it ended exactly the way Paul said it would. Even though the ship will go down, 
even though there will be pain, even though there will be worry, even though there will be concern, you're going to make it. And they did. Some of you came into the room this morning. You've listened to me blabber for 25 minutes now so that you can hear this. These guys on this ship made it. So will you. So will you. You'll make it. Not because of your effort, but because you have a God who keeps his promises. So you know what? I'm not going to worry about the little things that I can't do anything about anyway, about the little things that I can't control. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to jump overboard. I am pre-deciding that I am going to trust God. I did my best. I trust God. So what with the rest? And sometimes this is the only way to stay sane. Have you ever done everything you know to do and you still are going crazy trying to think of something new to do? Sometimes all you can say is, so what? I trust God. I've done everything I can. So what? I'm not excusing laziness. I'm not excusing empathy. I'm not excusing your pain because some some things hurt just so bad and I'm not saying they don't hurt and I'm not saying that your struggle isn't real. I'm not doing that today. But what I am saying is I'm saying he is with me. So what? He loves me. So what? He's got this. So what? I trust him. So what? He's protecting me. So what? He's good. Maybe some of us today need to make this declaration over those things we can't control. Maybe you need to start telling your family this week when they're worried about stuff that they can do nothing about. Maybe you need to look at them and say, so what? God is good. So what? He keeps his promises. So what? It's not going to matter in a month. So what? It hurts. It's painful, but my God loves me and he's got my back. So what? The storm may rage. It may get painful. It may get difficult, but so what? My God is still with me. So what? The storm may come. The waters may rise, but my God has me in the palm of his hand. Come on, let's stand up and sing this. You're in control. There's no question about it. You're king over all. And I know who you are. So come hell or high water. You're still on the throne. You are faithful able. You're in control. There's no question about it. You're king over all. And I know. No question about it. You can't. 
that song one more time and as we as we sing this I want you to think about what I've said think about the power the glory of who God is and I want you to imagine the, the storm that you're in and I want you to declare over it right now that he is God and that you're in the palm of his hand so what he's got you
any more requests. So you remember, I told you earlier that Paul's goal had always been to preach the gospel in Rome. Yeah, here he finds himself a prisoner on a ship that's not even going to make it. If you fast forward the story a little bit, he, the island that they get to is Malta, which is a know-nothing kind of place. He wanted to go to Rome, the epicenter. God sent him to Malta. But if you continue reading the story, Paul does make it. He makes it to Rome. Not as a free man, but as a prisoner. And I say all that to say that God will get you where you need to go. So what? How you get there? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning. You don't have an anchor. You don't have anything solid to put your faith in. You've been trying to be good enough. You've been trying to get it all together. But you've been throwing too much stuff overboard. If you need to confess Jesus and you need the hope of Jesus and the forgiveness that Jesus can offer, you can say this prayer in your heart. You can say it out loud. We would, that'd be awesome. Just say, God, I've messed up. But I need something solid. And I'm not it. I believe that you are who you say you are. I confess that I'm a sinner. I mess up. Would you come into my life? Forgive me. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. For the rest of us, I wonder if you would just raise your hand if you say, you know what, I'm in a storm right now. Is anybody in a storm? Let me pray for you. God, I pray for every person that just raised their hand, for those watching online. Lord, I don't know their storm. I don't know how bad it hurts. God, you know that I would love to take it from them. God, I also know you would too, but that you have bigger plans than that. So I just, I don't necessarily pray that you would stop the storm. God, I pray that they would be reminded of your promises in the storm. God, that they would decide now that they're not leaving you. That they would decide now that their faith is going to be built during this time, not destroyed. And God, that they would learn to say so what to some of those things that they can't do anything about. They're beating their head against the wall. God, they would put those in your hands. God, I thank you for how you work in our lives. I thank you that you are worthy of our trust. God, thank you for the opportunity to teach your word. God, I'm humbled every time I get to do it. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit, that you would say everything I forgot to say, and that you would make it personal. Thank you for this amazing church. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.